The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. I want to conclude this semester series, The Marks We Bear, by talking about the mark of truth. Um, I think that this is an important one. Uh, we've talked all along about uh, obedience and compassion and forgiveness and selflessness um, and devotion. And today I want to talk about the mark of truth. I want to talk about the mark of truth in a way that is dealing with it as us bearing the mark of Jesus, the mark of truth, as we assess our followership of Him as His people. It's what we've been trying to do all semester with these ideas as it comes from that statement by Paul at the end of Galatians that he bears in his bodies the marks of Jesus, the actual marks from stoning and hardships. But they're also the spiritual marks that we bear. And uh, this semester we've been looking at those marks that we see in the Apostle Paul's life, that we see in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, and that we should see in our lives as his followers. It's tough to say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ and not bear the mark of obedience since he bore that mark even to death on a cross. It's hard to consider being a follower of Jesus and not be someone who is moved to forgive others because we have been forgiven everything. It's very difficult to think about ourselves as a follower of Jesus and not be selfless because Jesus laid down his life for the sheep. He says that if anyone wants to save his life, you should lose it. And that idea of selflessness is key to our followers. It's hard to imagine being a follower of Jesus Christ and not showing compassion to others because we have been the beneficiaries of the great compassion of God. We see in the life of Jesus his examples of compassion, not just to the multitudes where he was performing miracles, but to the family of Lazarus when their brother had died. When we talk about the issue of devotion, it's hard to imagine us claiming to be followers of Jesus Christ without bearing the mark of devotion, loyalty and commitment and desire to please him. That mark of devotion is a real one. And today, I want to end with this that I think has not just theological significance, but practical significance, the mark of truth. I have less than 30 minutes to talk about truth. I don't intend to exhaust this. We could talk about truth versus a lie. We could talk about Exodus and the Ten Commandments. We could talk about the fact that we're commanded not to lie and that God loves truth. We could talk about the issue of honesty versus deceit and look at Proverbs and all the teaching in the book of Proverbs about watching what you say and what you do about being honest as opposed to being deceitful which Proverbs equates with wickedness. And so we could look at that. We could look at the issue of what is true and what is false. We're Christians. We believe in absolute truth. We believe that God is a true God. We believe that falseness is not in Him and that true and false is more than an exam modality for the Christian. True and false is the difference between right and wrong. We could look at all of that. But I want to start with this. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are bound to be true and truthful because of this, we are bound to be true and truthful because He is the way, the truth, and the life. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says that, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. And so as His followers, we are bound to the idea of truth. We're not just bound to the idea of truth in some abstract, conceptual way. We're bound to the practical reality of being true and truthful that it would mark us as His followers. We're bound to be true and truthful because He is the truth Himself. And that's a significant and impactful thing to wrap your mind around. 
if we're going to think about who we are as the followers of Jesus Christ, not just people who are part of a Christian community, not just people who like the teachings of Jesus, but people who have been bought with His blood, who have placed their faith in Him, who claim to be His followers, those that want to seek Him, those that want to please Him, those that want to love Him, those that want to know Him and serve Him, then truth should mark our lives. This is a biblical principle with huge significance. It's a biblical principle with theological and practical import. Because truth and truthfulness, scripturally speaking, are liberating. Jesus says in John 8, when he's confronting the Pharisees, he says to them, look, you want to be free? Then you must know the truth. The truth, the truth can be known, and it will set us free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The significance of that in terms of our salvation, you shall know the truth, the truth of Jesus Christ, that His shed blood pays the penalty for your sin. You embrace that, and it sets you free. But there's so much more than that theological import to this idea that the truth sets you free. And any one of you who has borne the burden of living a lie knows this. To actually say it out loud The sense of liberation that comes from that. That spiritual reality that Jesus is talking about in John 8, knowing the truth and the truth setting you free spiritually in terms of salvation, spiritually from the bondage of law and legalism, is true in the most practical sense. You hold a lie. You spend all your time trying to remember what you said was the truth to how many people you said it to. When it actually comes out, there's liberation that comes from that. You know that truth and freedom are inextricably tied to one another. It's a practical reality for us. And when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in chapter 8 about the truthfulness of His testimony, that He is the one true Son of God, that they can know the truth and the truth will set them free, He was talking about something of significance, but also something that is really practical in the sense That truth is liberating. Those men that would have been bound up by legalism and rules and all of the conventions of their community would be set free, but they had to embrace the truth that it wasn't their works or their self-righteousness that saved them, but faith in Jesus Christ alone as the way, the truth, and the life. It's a biblical principle with huge import for our lives. But as I think about this issue of the mark of truth, I think of this, it's not just the mark of truth that we bear the true gospel and we believe in Jesus as the true son and we place true faith in him. There's something else that comes along because when we talk about truth and we talk about being true, we have to talk about the issue of honesty. And that is a very difficult thing for us. It's hard to think about the mark of truth in our life as the followers of Jesus Christ without grappling and coming to terms with the issue of honesty. Not just in in a theological sense, but in a very real and practical sense. I become convinced as I look at the lives of people around me, those who have made shipwrecks of them and those who who have struggled that this issue of being honest with God, ourselves, and others is an outworking of the mark of truth in our lives. It's a mark of gospel reality in our lives. We have been saved, and we have been the recipients of the true gospel from the true Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have placed our faith in Him who is true and knows no falsehood. And with that comes this kind of honesty that leads us and compels us to be honest with God, ourselves, and others. It's an outworking of the mark of truth in our lives that we would find ourselves being people who are honest, honest with others. I've often thought it very interesting that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in that chapter on love that's read at all the weddings, it's this, 
that love and truth and honesty are tied together. Why? Well, with Jesus, you, you want to speak the truth in love. What does that mean? Speaking the truth in a way that benefits another. Love is marked by this idea of truthfulness. In 1 Corinthians 13, we see that love is true. It wants what is right and what is good. In our relationship with others, honesty then means that we will find ourselves speaking the truth in love, wanting to be truthful and honest, and wanting what is best for the other person. We're not talking about those odd times when your wife asks her if you like this dress. That's dangerous ground, and everybody knows it. We are talking, though, about the ease of being less than honest with others and the ease of lying with others. And if we're to be speaking the truth with one another in love, then we need to be honest with one another in a way that benefits. Do you think I'm being selfish? Well, no. Actually, you know they're being selfish. Speak the truth in love. You know, brother, you know, sister, we all struggle with being selfish. And yes, this looks to me like being selfish. Do you think that I'm being deceitful if I do the following? No, no. We all want to do, we all want to tell others what they want to hear. But the Bible says, speak the truth in love. And as the followers of Jesus Christ, if truth is to mark us, then honesty with others is there. In a way that is caring and loving and compassionate and forgiving and gracious and all those other marks. But we shouldn't fall into the trap of wanting to lie easily to one another. Being honest with God, ourselves, and others is an outworking of the mark of truth in our lives. And we see that in 1 Corinthians. We see it in Jesus with Peter. We've talked about this illustration already this semester. When, Jesus tries to, when Peter tries to stop Jesus from talking about his death and he tries to intervene, Jesus says what? Get behind me, Satan. This isn't for you to do. Jesus loved Peter. And he loved him so much he could not help but be truthful to him. In fact, what we see in the Bible is every time that Jesus is so honest, it's marked by his love and his desire to see people experience the liberating power of truth. Jesus with others is always truthful. But it's so, it's so cloaked in his compassion and his love and his mercy and his grace that it doesn't look harsh and it doesn't look hurtful. It looks like what it is. It's the truth in love. And it's not easy for us to speak truth. In fact, in John chapter 8, Jesus says to them, you don't believe me because I speak the truth. Paul had the same problem with the Galatians that he was telling, I bear the marks of Christ in my body when he was dealing with the Judaizers. You're upset with me because I spoke the truth to you. You are adding law to grace. That's the truth. Don't get mad at me. That's the truth. That's the truth. If we give up on the truth, there's nothing left. And Paul knew this as it related to the gospel. And so with others, he was always true in the preaching of the gospel. I remember having a conversation with someone who, when I was in graduate school, who said, you know, the thing that frustrates me about you is you think that I'm going to hell because I'm gay. And I said, I don't think you're going to hell because you're gay. And they pulled the car over and looked at me and said, what the... Blankety blank blank are you talking about? He said, I don't think you're going to hell because you're gay. I do think you're going to hell because you don't know Jesus. Because that's the gospel. That's the gospel. We are sinners in need of a Savior. 
And no, no issue in our so should cloud us from, as Christians. We are setting them free from the bondage of sin by proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ and the gospel. We cannot shrink back from sharing kind words and loving truth to others and the gospel truth. That's what we're on this earth to do. The world needs a Savior. And that kind of truthfulness should come out of our pores because the gospel has been real in our own lives. And we should be honest with ourselves as a result of this. I'm always struck by the transparency that Jesus shows in the garden and His anguish over Him knowing what is coming to pass. That He'll be ripped from His disciples. And He's honest with Himself that this pains Him. I'm always struck by Paul admitting to the churches that he's leading, because I don't know how often leaders are willing to admit this kind of thing, but Paul says to the churches that he's leading, I'm the chief among sinners. The things I want to do, I don't, and the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Paul was showing to them the importance of being honest with ourselves about our own fears and inadequacies, our own sinfulness. The kind of honesty that comes from being people who bear the mark of truth is not only would we be honest with others, but honest with ourselves. And when we're honest with ourselves that way, we find ourselves compelled to be honest with God. Jesus was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David is, my enemies are encamped around me. How long will the wicked prosper? Moses was, Mary was, when the angel visited her, in her prayer that follows. In 1 John, we see that what we're called to is be honest with God about our own sinfulness. That's actually what confession is. Agreeing with God that this truth in our lives, that we have failed or fallen or sinned, and if we confess this sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us because we've exposed that sin to the light. And we expose it to the light and all fear of it goes away. Truth and light are inextricably tied to one another in the Bible. It's an amazing thing to get your mind around. They're inextricably tied to one another because we hide things in the darkness, don't we? But we're called to live in the light. He is the light, and in Him is no darkness, as Dean Porcella read. Truth and light are inextricably tied to one another, yet we want to hide things in the darkness, brothers and sisters. We want to hide it in the darkness, but we're called to live in the light. So what do we do? Well, we find ourselves wanting to be honest with God ourselves and with others. It's an outworking of this mark of truth in our lives, this gospel reality, that we have been truly saved by the true Son of God, whose blood truly accomplishes that work for all eternity. And then we walk in that truth, and we walk in that light as His followers. And then I think about this. If Jesus is the truth, if Jesus is always true, and Jesus is always honest, and we love Him, then we should find ourselves loving those very things. 
as Christians, we should find ourselves, if we love Jesus, loving truth and truthfulness and honesty. And by virtue of that, despising the opposite. We should be despising the opposite and in love with the truth and truthfulness and honesty. And if we are not, then we should assess if the absence of this mark in our following Jesus needs to be prayerfully and humbly addressed. If we do not find ourselves in love with the truth, from the big conceptual theological realities to the practical everyday truthfulness, then we need to examine ourselves in light of our relationship with God. I had a professor here when I was a student who used to give exams and leave the room. Someone asked him, why would you do that? And he said, cheat to your God's content. Because if we don't love truth and truthfulness and being honest and fair, then we have a bigger problem than whether or not we're going to get an erroneous score on an exam in college. There is something larger at stake, and if we love Jesus, who is these things, then we should find ourselves loving those very things. I think this is what's in the mind of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 when he says, think on these things, whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is just, think on these things. We should find ourselves in love with that, in love with truth and light, not preoccupied or, or being enticed by the darkness and lies and lying. But this is the reality. The pull of the lie is strong, isn't it? It's easy to become comfortable in the dark, comfortable with lies and lying. It's easy to be deceived into thinking things that are not true. But grace, brothers and sisters. Look, when God confronts Adam, what did you do? What did He say? The woman you gave me. When Achan violates the commands of God, what does he do? Bury it in the ground. Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament lied. The pull of the lie is easy. We get comfortable being in the darkness. Our eyes adjust, don't they? Just think about the physical reality. Walk into a dark room. You say, oh, it's not so bad. What do you say to people? Relax, your eyes will adjust. Yeah, your eyes will adjust, but it's still not light. It's just that you've gotten used to the darkness. We're in the middle of these lies. We say, oh, no, we'll just hold on. Your eyes will adjust. You'll realize, as the psalmist said, all men are liars. We'll all get used to it. But it's not the light. You might get used to it, but it is not the light. It is not truth that sets us free. It's just getting comfortable being in the darkness. That's the issue. The pull is great to the lie. And it isn't just the lie of someone, someone asking you a question and you don't tell the truth. It isn't, it isn't getting comfortable with the lies and deceptions that you've created in your life that, that you've built around you. It's also easy to get deceived into thinking things that are not true. What did Satan do in the very beginning? He's the father of lies. He was lying to Adam and Eve that they might believe what is not true. God doesn't want you to be like Him. He doesn't have your best interests at heart. This is the lie spoken into the ear of the Apostle Paul. If you didn't have that thorn in your flesh, think how much more you'd get done. 
And Paul believes that lie so much that he asks God three times for it to be removed. And God's reply is what? My grace is sufficient for you. Brothers and sisters, when we are committed to the truth, it does set us free because we find ourselves more aware of the lies and deceit that we carry out, that the evil one attempts to lure us into, you bring the light of the world, the light of the Word, the light of Jesus Christ, not just to these theological things that we think about, but to our very lives. And we walk this earth bearing the mark of truth because Jesus Himself is the way, the truth, and the life. We love Him. We find ourselves loving the truth and loving honesty, abhorring lies and deceitfulness find ourselves more aware and honest with ourselves and with one another and with God about the reality of sin and our own sinfulness. We lay ourselves bare and the light floods in and we are set free. Free to love one another in truth. Free to speak to one another in truth. Free to worship in truth. Free to proclaim the truth of the Gospel to those who truly need it. Read your Bibles sometime looking for all the references to the word truth in all the derivations. Truth, true, truthful, truly, truly. There is no end to it. It is the way of God. It is the mark we should bear. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We ask that you would give us grace this hour and the hours to come, to be people who bear the mark of truth. Give us what we need, Lord God, to be Your people. To not fall in love with lies and lying. To not become comfortable with it or complacent about it. Burden us with a desire for truth and true and truthful things. Give us grace to be honest with one another with ourselves and with you. Give us grace to believe that if we are honest before you, you are good and faithful. You will forgive us and care for us as a good shepherd, a good father. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Have a great day.